Welcome back, rich girls, to the Money with Katie show. On the heels of last week's episode, where we basically called into question the entire socioeconomic structure that we live inside, this week we're going to explore something a little less intense. Common 401k mistakes to watch out for. Now, I know what you're thinking, wow, that sounds riveting, but I actually think this episode has the potential to be extremely actionable for you, and I don't want to toot my own horn, but may have the potential to make you a lot of money if actioned upon. Today's episode is going to be more on the technical, tactical side, so buckle up and grab your Money with Katie notebook. Here we go. So for most young people whose parents are not FinTwit influencers opening Roth IRAs for their two-year-olds, your first brush with investing on your own will likely be through your employer-sponsored 401k plan. And for those of you whose employers don't offer a 401k plan, we will organize a peaceful protest. I still remember panic texting my male roommate when I was setting mine up for the first time. This was pre my Money with Katie financial awakening, so I had approximately no fucking idea what I was doing. After I had my traditional versus Roth breakdown, side note, I chose Roth at the time because I was making $52,000, though in hindsight, I wish I would have chosen traditional because back then my contributions were still taxed at 25% in those tax brackets. But after that was over, I had to pick what my contributions would be invested in. This is a common misconception when investing in qualified accounts like 401ks and IRAs. Our brains treat those buckets as if they are the investments themselves versus the tax-protected container in which you invest. It makes sense, though, considering most of us prior to investing have only ever dealt with checking and savings accounts where once you have contributed the cash, you're done. So why does a 401k deserve a special episode? 401k plans typically have fewer investment options than accounts that you control yourself and weirder fee structures. The average 401k plan provider offers between 8 and 12 investment choices, though it can vary widely. And depending on your employer and your plan provider, they can be fantastic low-fee options or total shit. So It's possible that you could have all sorts of stuff to choose from, like company stock, variable annuities, actively managed mutual funds, index funds that track market indices, target date funds that have a mix of assets inside them with a glide path toward retirement, which makes them get more conservative as you age. Now, This is not financial advice, but I would say, generally speaking, it's probably a good idea to only invest in things that you would choose to invest in on your own otherwise. In other words, if you are 24 and you are not interested in a variable annuity, it's probably not wise to suddenly choose one simply because it's offered inside your 401k plan. The data suggests that investing in low-cost, diversified index funds is one of the smartest investment moves you can make as they historically outperform other types of funds that are actively managed by top investment firms. That was a quote. However, the data also suggests that target date funds, which are a more complex bundle of stocks, bonds, and other securities that start aggressive and then get more conservative over time, can be one of the simplest options, though their expense ratios, which is the fee you'll pay for access to the fund, basically, are typically higher than those of index funds since they're a more complicated financial instrument. Now, this is where I want to address the risk facing most of the young people that I talk to, a lack of risk in their 401ks. 
In other words, many of the young people that I talk to are invested in assets that are way too conservative for their age inside their 401ks, an account that likely has a pretty damn long time horizon. Of course, if you're intentionally risk-averse for some reason and the data does not convince you that over the decades investing is a safe pursuit, that's one thing. But in the conversations that I have had with young people, they're not invested ultra-conservatively inside their 401ks on purpose. They just didn't know any better when selecting or not selecting their holdings. I have seen 22-year-olds in target date fund 2030, which is a target date fund designed for someone retiring in eight years, so very conservatively allocated, people in their 20s with a 50-50 stock bond split, or even more heavily allocated toward bonds in some cases, young people with their 401ks either in money market accounts or the cash equivalents who didn't even realize that it wasn't actually invested and were confused about why it wasn't growing. The TLDR is that they have made a great decision in contributing to a 401k, but now their money ain't doing shit for them. So I won't tell you which securities to buy within your specific 401k because that would be about as impossible as it is illegal, but it's generally accepted that if you are under 50 years old and you are saving for retirement, investing heavily in stocks, likely in the form of index funds in this case, is a safe bet. The most oft-repeated allocations that I hear thrown around, and I will link an example piece of research in the show notes, is that if you're in your 20s, 30s, or 40s, you want to be ballpark 90% stocks, 10% bonds. If you're in your 50s and 60s, ballpark 60% stocks, 40% bonds. And if you are retired, and this may be controversial, 50% stocks, 50% bonds. Now, those absolutely are not hard and fast rules, and you will find plenty of financial pundits who would probably argue for 100% stocks in your 20s or maybe something else entirely, but it should give you a general sense for the breakdowns that are considered appropriate and reasonable by age group. Of course, that does assume a traditional retirement timeline, so if your plan is radically different, you may need to adjust. And you know what? While we're talking allocations, I do want to share some guidance that I learned from Paul Merriman's Ultimate Buy and Hold Portfolio. So for the uninitiated, Paul Merriman is a financial educator and advisor on mutual funds, index investing, asset allocation, and both buy and hold and active management strategies. And when it comes to picking the investments themselves within your 401k plan, keep an eye out for high expense ratios. I have seen heinous fees inside 401k plans with some mutual funds charging close to 1% or more. This is, in this investor's opinion, sneaky and predatory. So don't be fooled by a fund's inclusion in your mix of choices into thinking that it's a responsible or good choice. And it is admittedly shitty that we have to be on the lookout for stuff like this, but that's showbiz, baby. While the target date funds we discussed earlier will almost definitely have higher expense ratios than regular old index funds, they still shouldn't creep that high. The Vanguard target date funds, for example, average 0.12%. So still very low, especially when compared to a comparable fund with an average of 0.55%. Now, in case expense ratios are new to you and your eyes are glazing over, you can think of them like this. A fund with a 0.12% fee will cost $12 for every $10,000 invested. But 
If you are interested in building your own portfolio, consider this advice from Paul Merriman, who knows a thing or two about building diversified portfolios. He reminds me of like gentle money manager Santa Claus, and I really, really like his takes. So this is going to sound like a lot, but stick with me. Merriman suggests that this is the ultimate buy and hold portfolio. Are you ready? 6% U.S. total stock market, 6% U.S. large cap value, 6% U.S. small cap stocks, 6% U.S. small cap value, 6% U.S. REITs, 6% international developed market stocks, 6% international value, 6% international small cap stocks, 6% international small cap value, 6% emerging market stocks, 12% short-term treasury bonds, 20% intermediate-term treasury bonds, and 8% tips. Huh. Are you sweating? I'm sweating. So there are two things worth noting right now because I am almost certain that that was overwhelming. It is unlikely that your 401k plan will offer anywhere close to all of these options. Your 401k is hopefully only one piece of your larger portfolio, so you can open other investment accounts like Roth IRAs and brokerage accounts that have more investment options inside them to get exposure to other things. I am including Merriman's breakdown in this episode because I think it highlights something that we often forget in the last 10 years of investing, and that is that there is more out there than the S&P 500. I wrote an article a few months back where I back-tested a few different randomly chosen portfolios of index funds over the last 25 years and found that four of the five would have beaten the total stock market return just by adding some diversification. All that to say, it does not hurt to get some international, some emerging markets, some small cap exposure in your portfolio. In fact, the diversification will likely help in the long run. But we're talking about your 401k, right? And your 401k plan might have three choices total. So that's where making do with what you got, as my grandma Jean would say, comes into play. If your only low-fee index fund choice in your portfolio is a total stock market fund, then maybe that's what you go with. But then you remember, as you invest elsewhere, that you've already got your entire 401k allocated to a large-cap blend, and you might dabble in some other riskier, rewardier securities in those other accounts, like a small-cap value fund. Your 401k priorities do not have to be complicated. The good news about your 401k is that it's relatively easy to get it right. Your choices are usually limited, which minimizes the risk of analysis paralysis. And by investing in this type of qualified account, you're already maximizing your returns simply through the tax savings you'll get by doing so. This is why sometimes even higher fees in the account can be negated. If you're saving $4,500 on your taxes because you're investing in a traditional 401k, that's going to offset slightly higher fees, at least a little bit over time. Though, if the fees are outrageous, it may be a more difficult calculus, and it's definitely something to look out for. So I worked for a Fortune 500 company for 10 years. I began that job in my early 20s, and I remember having a 6% 401k match which I signed up for. I remember that there were different, you know, choices as far as how to invest that money. However, at the time I didn't know much. And I just remember kind of choosing random percentages and moving on. Well, um, about two or three years into that job, I remember receiving this uh, email 
It was from a service from Financial Engine that the company I worked for was, you know, promoting, letting us know investing for your future is important. So we have the service. And I remember reading, oh, it's free and they're going to pretty much manage, rebalance, make sure that, you know, my accounts are trending where they need to for my retirement. So I remember clicking free, sign up and fast forward. (laughs) Um, I remember I started learning a bit more about uh, finances, following different Instagram accounts and, you know, learning a little bit more as far as, you know, how to choose how to invest your money, reading what the percentages being charged are. So I went back and I realized that I was being charged a percentage for that service that was supposed to be balancing my account and the accounts that were invested had um, charges from one to three percent. So I remember I immediately called and went through a ton of loopholes, canceled that service that I thought was free. You know, then I actually went back and I realized, you know, what my money was in and there were index fund options, which were a lot more cost effective. So, you know, I rebalanced, but I did have my money and uh, accounts that were taking a lot more money from me for eight years which is a huge chunk of time considering it was pretty much the majority of my 20s, um, if not all my 20s. But yep, that's what happened. But the main thing is this, choosing risk-appropriate allocations for your age, aka not going all in on T-bills when you're 23, and keeping an eye on the fund fees, in my mind, anything less than 0.5% is permissible, that will get you 90% of the way there. All right, that's all for this week, Rich Girls. Thanks for tuning in to the Money with Katie show. And do me a favor, go check with your 401k and make sure that you know what it's invested in and what you're paying in fees. I will see you next Wednesday, same time, same place on the Money with Katie show. 